Well, good morning. How are you today? What a great day. Hey, um, I, I know a lot of you probably know this, but maybe not realize it, um, how big of a deal this is for Ben to get to be up here and lead worship. Um, if, if you know his journey over the last three years battling cancer and how a lot of the treatments and things have affected his voice and the surgeries, um, this is a, a guy who is very passionate about worship and loves it, and it's been one of those things that for the last several years has been really difficult for him to even be able to, to sing. Um, so to be up here and to, to lead us this morning and share with us, I am so grateful and thankful that you were able to do this and that your recovery is, is happening. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. We're starting a new series today, and um, this is a series from a story that you have all heard and at least referenced hundreds of times, whether you've been in church your whole life or not. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son went to his father and said, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the food the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, and I will go back to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to him, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father interrupted, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the, the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was out in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come home, the servant replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. 
But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you, and never once have I disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But his father replied, my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And my guess is it's a story that you have heard because it is echoed through the annals of history. And it has been told and used over and over, but it is a story that leaves me with so many questions. Why does the younger son leave home? Why does the father give him what he asked for even though he knows it's not good for him? Why does the younger or the older brother not go after the younger brother? Why does the younger brother decide that he needs to work to come home? Why does the older son respond the way he does? What if we've missed the point of Jesus' story entirely? What if it's not a story about a lost son, but rather a story about two lost sons? One son who leaves home and is clearly lost and knows it. Another son who never leaves home and doesn't even realize he's lost. The story leaves me with so many questions. And I want to spend the next several weeks working through the characters that we see in the story because my assumption is, because this is true for me, as I hear this story, I see myself as so many of the characters. And not just at different times in my life, sometimes the same exact day that I will see myself as a younger son, or the older son, or maybe even the father. But this three-act play begins with this younger son deciding that he's going to leave home, that he's going to set off on his own. And he says something to his father that we read in the text and think it's not really that big of a deal. In verse 12, he says, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And to us, we read the story and we think, that's not that big of a deal. He just asked him for what's rightfully his. But in this culture, it's basically like saying this. The younger one said to his father, Father, I wish you were dead. Give me what you owe me. It was incredibly disrespectful because as the older son, you would be entitled to two-thirds of your father's inheritance and wealth. The younger son or sons divided the rest, 
the one-third between them. And so for him to ask and the father to grant that before he died was unheard of. And it was unheard of and incredibly disrespectful for the son to even ask Because the inheritance wasn't, hey, I have a bank account at Chase Manhattan with millions of dollars. Let me divide it. The inheritance was most likely land. It was most likely family land. It was most likely family land that had been in their family for generations. And to simply say, What is mine when you die and pass on and you're going to give to me? I want it now. Was unheard of. And I've heard commentators and and authors write about this question that he asked as he asked his father. And even in cultures today, it would be incredibly disrespectful to the point the father would just say to the son, you are now dead dead to me. I want absolutely nothing to do with you. But the father in the story doesn't. He divides the property. He gives it to him. And the son sets off to a distant country. But this statement, Father, I wish you were dead. Give me what you owe me so I can leave, wasn't just a statement about wealth. It wasn't just about money. This was a complete rejection of the Father. It was a rejection of the Father and a heartless rejection of home. It was a rejection of the place that He was raised and nurtured and cared for and loved And he was cutting loose of that way of living and thinking and acting that had been passed on for generations to him. Saying, I don't need you any longer. I can make it on my own. I remember a time in high school when I went to my mom because my mom... Typically, when I went to her and said, hey, I want to go eat with some friends from church, or I want to go eat at Chili's, or I want to go to a movie, she would usually give me some cash, and I would get to go. But then I found out my friends got allowances. And I said, well, Mom, I want an allowance too. And so she said, how about I give you $35 a month? And I didn't have any money at the time. I thought that sounded like a great deal. So I said, okay. And in the first week, I had blown through the $35. And so I went to my mom the next week and said, hey, mom, some friends from church are going to go eat at Chili's afterwards. Can can you give me some money? She goes, what happened to your allowance? I said, I spent it. She said, well, then that sounds like a problem. You don't have any more money. And so I just simply asked, I said, mom, I think I made a mistake can I stop getting an allowance and just go back to the way things were? Now, she probably should not have let me do that, but she did. She just started supplying me when I wanted to go with my friends, and it worked out for the better for me. 
because there was a lot more money. But it was funny, I didn't really realize what I had until I no longer had it. I didn't really realize how good I had it until it was not there. The the truth of the story is that the younger son does not want the father. He just simply wants what the father has. He doesn't want a relationship with him. And the, the beauty of the story, which is kind of in disguise, is the father gives him and grants him his request. Because the father realizes that he cannot force his love upon his son. If he truly loves him, he has to give him the choice not to love him back. And so he does. He gives him the freedom to choose. And the son sets off on basically what I would call a self-salvation project. Trying to make his way trying to figure out how he's going to live on his own. My guess is all of us have been there. All of us know what it's like. I have no idea why that's scrolling and it's driving me crazy. Thank you. I didn't even know it would do that. I feel like I was trying to make a PowerPoint from 1985. What were we doing? We're preaching in there somewhere. (laughs) This self-salvation project, how can I save myself? Don't put it back up there. It's fine. Um, How can I save myself? Because all of us have set out on our own. We we remember that time. I, I remember driving away, or my parents driving away. They had dropped me off at college, and they were driving away. And there was kind of this realization like, I'm kind of on my own. By myself. First time we went home from the hospital with one of our kids, and the doctor was like, hey, you're free to go. Take, take your child and go. And it was like, by ourselves? <laughs> like, we're, we're responsible for this child. And she's turned out okay. Been a good first experiment. Um, but you set out on your own trying to figure this out. And the very last thing you want to do is to hold up your hand and say, wait, 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 wait. I can't do it. I can't make it on my own. See, he's on this this road in this self-salvation project, and it's a road to self-discovery. It's a road all of us leave and walk on. You know, give me what is mine. I don't need your help. I can't... I can make it on my own. I deserve it. I will make my own way. You can't tell me what to do. I want to make a name for myself. I decide what's best for me. I'll earn my way back. I'm unworthy to be your son. I am who I say I am. I am free. I'm a servant. I'm helpless. I'm homeless. 
And this road that he's on, the thing about it is it is so seductive and alluring, so enticing, but it is a treacherous road. It is a road that you are guaranteed to fail on at some point. It might start off well for you. It might be fine. But I promise you at some point, it is a road that has an end. It is a road where you will find pain and heartache and struggle and hurt. See, it's where we get the name for this story. Prodigal. This prodigal son. And prodigal simply means this. It's recklessly extravagant. There we go. Recklessly extravagant, having spent everything. And that's what the son does. He goes up and it says he squanders his wealth on wild living. And he spent everything. And then he was in need. See, that's the problem on this road. At some point, you're going to be in need. But just like the younger son found, no one gave him anything. See, his longing was so simple. It was simply to have the food that the pigs were eating. But no one would give him anything. And so when he came to his senses... He figured out a plan. But the problem with the plan was it was still on the same road of self-discovery. It was, I'm going to give myself a new identity. I'm not worthy to be my father's son anymore. I've already told him, I wish you were dead. Give me what you owe me. And he did. I cannot be a son. I can't go back and erase what has been done. But maybe, maybe my father will let me come and work. And if I work hard enough, for long enough, maybe I could find myself back in his good graces. Of course, not as a son. But maybe as a trusted servant. And so he devises this plan in his head, this homecoming speech, this apology, and he goes back to his father, and he doesn't even get the chance to finish his speech when he's interrupted by the father. And the father tells his servants, quick, bring the very best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. What does the father do? He doesn't welcome him and receive him as a servant. He makes him a son again. It's almost as if he hits rewind. He goes back in time before this ever happened and he gets a chance to start over. Just like the past 
is forgotten. But surely the father who's been insulted couldn't welcome him back that easily. But we find this beautiful truth in the story that the father loves his son. He is crazy about him. He will do anything for him. And all he wants to do is have him back. And as he welcomes him, he welcomes him with these words, for this son of mine. Not this servant who has to work his way back into my good graces, but this son of mine. I mean, does he not remember his words? I wish you were dead. I want your stuff, but not you. I don't want your home or your values or your ways. Your goodness has not been enough. And he walks away. And his choices have left the son on the outside of the father's house looking in. But even as he's on the outside of the father's house, his greatest longing is for home. Even if it's not fully as a son, he just wants to come home. And he embraces him. He doesn't need the speech. He doesn't year, need the years of work to prove it. He just needs to know that he is my son and I love him. He was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. See, every one of us have a story that we tell about ourselves. What was the story he tells about himself? I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how hard my life has been. It's my fault. It's my doing. I am unworthy. But the father tells a different story about him. The father tells him that he is his son and that he is loved and that everything he has is his once again. See, obviously this is going to create some problems for the older son. Because if the younger son is now a son again, what does that mean for the older son? What does that mean for the older brother? And I wonder what story you tell about yourself. What story you allow to define you? Is it that you're unworthy? See, because the truth of it is, the truth of the story is he was unworthy. He didn't deserve it. The father didn't owe him 
anything. But yet he welcomed him. He allowed him to become a son again. And this story is a part of a bigger story that Jesus is telling. It begins with a lost sheep, and then a lost coin, and then a lost son. And obviously the moral of the stories together collectively is that Jesus embraces that which is lost. But what if that's not Jesus' point in telling this story, or the other stories for the matter of fact? What if there's something bigger happening in this story? What if there's something below the surface that we can't see? The statement is true. Yes, God embraces that which is lost. Absolutely. But there's something bigger happening in this story. But I think what strikes me most about this story is a simple word. It's humility. The humility that is required for the son to return home. Because you think about it. If you set off on your own, the very last thing you want to do is to hold up your hand and say, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I'm not going to make it. It takes an incredible act of humility to say, I can't do this and I need help. But there is also an incredible amount of humility shown by the Father. Because it's the humility to welcome home. A father who has been told by the son he basically hates him. Wants nothing to do with him. He just wants his stuff. See, it takes an incredible act of humility for the father to show grace. To offer forgiveness. To make him a son again. It comes down to this question. Whose story will define you? Are you going to listen to the story that everyone else tells you about you? The story that you tell about you? Or will you hear the words of the Father? Would you allow that story to define you? You are my son. And I have the best robe. And I have a ring. And I have sandals. And we're going to have a feast. And we're going to celebrate. Because you are my son. And you have come home. It's a beautiful story. And I'll be honest, I find myself 
as the younger son so many times, maybe even not leaving home, but setting off on that road trying to make it on my own, thinking I'm smart enough or strong enough, wise enough, that I really don't need anyone else to help me. And so like the son, I come to the realization, yeah, I can't do this on my own. And the beauty is the humility of the Father, that He welcomes the Son home. And the beauty for you and I is that the Father still welcomes us home, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been. He says, you are my son, you are my daughter, I love you. And I would run to you and embrace you and welcome you. Father, we thank you so much for this incredible story. This story of scandalous love. The story of amazing grace. The story of a father who loves his son so much that he's willing to forgive and forget the past. To welcome him home like nothing has happened before. And to start over. Father, so many of us need that fresh start. So many of us who might not even have left home, but try every day on our own to make it. Forgetting that you are the giver of all good things. Forgetting that you sustain us, that you give us life, that you give us hope. And yet we are welcomed. And yet, Father, for others who have literally wandered far away, may they know this morning that they are loved and embraced by You. That they are Your son and Your daughter and they are welcomed here. Home. And Father, may we feel that deep sense of longing for home. Because home is where the Father is. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, just like we do every week, we want to offer you an invitation. We're going to have our shepherds, their spouses in the back of the auditorium. If we could do anything to help you as you follow Jesus, if you've never given your life to Him, if you've never run home to Him, um, what a great day to do that. Whatever we can do to help you, you can go while we stand and sing.